This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the podcast, friend of the Shift, Ryan Record, is leaving. He's moving. He's really not. He's got a new job, though. He's going to be in the daytime. So he's going to join us still on the shift. He's normally with us on Sunday nights. We used to sync up our shows in St. Louis and all across Canada. That's going to change. But the exciting news is he was on the shift and he tells us all about it. He's replacing Rush Limbaugh, which is cool. And we also talk about crime in St. Louis, which I had no idea. That's on the way. Plus, Steve Stebbing breaks down um, without remorse. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Willie's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage, which is weird, but Ryan thinks it's awesome. So worth checking out. Some stuff you can watch this weekend, as well as Are You Okay? with Chandeliers, Investing, and more. Are you okay? Are you okay with investing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to diversify your portfolio and reallocate your assets. Wow. Yeah, I'm okay with Fancy. it. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy. Uh, <laughs> I, I take a very uh, relaxed approach to it. I have this app where it takes all my change and puts it in a savings account and invests it. Oh, and wow. it's actually uh, between June and November of last year, I had $500 in there. It's not bad. That's what helped pay for the PS5. So that's the my experience of investing. Yep. All yeah. right. Um, well, enjoy that PS5 when you retire later. And it's uh, 40 years old. And it's mm-hmm. it's awesome. Because Ryan's, Ryan, some of Ryan's investing comes in Lego and sneakers. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I only started to get good at this. Not even good. Just started to put some effort into it in like the last year. And I'm, Mm -hmm. like, way behind. Like, I was looking at retirement investment funds, and, like, I should have started this, like, 15 years ago. Like, I'm not going to have anything when I, if I can retire. Yeah, I, mine's the same, because when I got divorced, I, all of it went away. Everything that I had, half of it that I had worked up just in mine, uh, was gone. And so, it is an absolute reset at 45 trying to make it work so it's not easy it was very daunting for me starting to get a little bit more comfortable not in making the decisions but having the courage to have the conversations with people to say hey by the way here's the paperwork it's kind of dreadful can you make it better um because right now it says i will have nine hundred dollars a year every year i retire (laughs) that's not enough Uh, nope not even close all right. Well, we're not talking about um, the stock market stuff. We're not talking about all, all this. But sometimes you got like a friend or a family member that says, "Hey, I got this really great deal, man. I just kick me ten grand. I'm gonna I'll pay you back. It's gonna make you money." Well, there's a good old-fashioned Ponzi scheme that has come to light, and it's in Hollywood. A very D-list of celebrities, Z-list maybe was arrested Tuesday in L.A. in connection with a massive Hollywood Ponzi scheme, which was quite creative, I will say. Federal authorities alleged uh, they defrauded investors out of more than $227 million. Oof. That's just what the money that was left. There was more involved than that. Here's uh, more from CBS L.A. 
The FBI arrested actor Zachary Joseph Horowitz, accused of convincing several investment firms to give him nearly a quarter of a billion dollars over the course of five years. Investigators say he claimed the money was being used to acquire global licensing rights to distribute films to streaming services. The U.S. Attorney's Office says he gave investors fake license agreements with Netflix and HBO, but both companies say they had no such deals with Horowitz. Prosecutors say he used the money to buy a $6 million home in Beverly Wood and repay prior investors. His charges include federal wire fraud, and he's facing up to 20 years in prison if convicted as charged. Katie Johnston for CBS LA. Okay, so according to the FBI, the story says Avery founded the Los Angeles-based One in Capital. I don't know. It's like an acronym. It's supposed to be something cool. Wait, wait, wait. Let's see if I can... I want to see if I can figure this out. Uh... I also don't trust that it's spelled properly. One? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Maybe it's supposed to be like one number? Well, I was like one in a million something. Oh, maybe that. That looks one like what it's supposed to be. One in a million. One in something. a million, yeah. Not a typo. Uh, one I-N-M capital LLC in 2013, claiming to distribute English films to Latin American market through partnerships with HBO and Netflix. So, um, he allegedly sent investors bottles of Johnny Walker Blue Label Scotch, along with an annual report that said the company had acquired, successfully distributed 49 films through the one-in-a-mum-mum-mum-capital banner without incurring a single loss in the process. That should be the first clue. Um, Acker writing to People Magazine. No, that's what... Oh, yeah, yeah. No... No, no, oh, yeah, it, it is. It is. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, writing. Yeah. Yeah. Acro to People Magazine, Avery's acting credits include Last Moment of Clarity, The White Crow, and Farming. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds riveting. Uh, he was also an extra on Brad Pitt's war film Fury. Great wow. movie. Love that movie. Uh, I wonder yeah. if he was in one of the Nazi tanks. Uh I imagine some of the people he swindled off that money out of uh, might wish that he was a target. That's mm-hmm. for sure. That's a lot of dough, man. Don't invest in that. Look, don't listen to our investing advice for sure. And you watch. You know who's going to be the richest out of the three of us? It's going to be Ryan. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got all this time, though. Like, No, would... but he's going to like he's going to buy some pair of sneakers or some Lego thing. Yeah. And it's going to turn out to be the only one because the Lego That's factory true. burned down. Mm-hmm. And it's something like that. And he'd be like, oh, guess what I found? It's worth $27 million now. Sweet. I can buy new video games. Like, it's going to be something Bye. like that. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Have a good later. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm already working on it. Yeah. He'd be like, I'm going I'm gone buy new video games. Uh, in his letter to us. I hope you write a letter and it has a typo when you do it. Oh, you know I will. Are you Okay. Can you keep that bed running for just one second? Yeah. It's, there it goes. Um, I'm just checking something here before I... All right. Are you okay with chandeliers? I want to swing from one. Yeah? Nice. No, I, I don't. I'm not really acrobatic. But, uh, yeah, no, there actually, there's one uh, under the bridge here, Granville Street Bridge. They put up a, like, multi-million dollar chandelier. 
because Whoa. that's what we spend money on in municipal politics here in Vancouver. It's pretty, cool. though. All right. Well, I'm not sure what a chandelier is, is but um, I'm curious. Um, See, that's what happens when I copy my script in, and then it duplicates the end of the, uh, the word a couple of times. Because there's no way I type that one. Not even I can type that bad of a typo. Chandeliers. It's almost like if you spelled it E-A-R-S. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Mail-in Friday strikes again. That's a typo. Big time. Are you okay with chandeliers? I quite like them. I think they're great on wallpaper. I think they look amazing in a big, fancy house. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. What about a chandelier inside your car? Uh, oh, that'd be a bit much. Uh, that sounds like something they would do on Top Gear, like when they designed mm. a car that was way too extra, and they had they were like, "I'm going to make this car more interesting by putting a chandelier in it." Like yeah. that's what it sounds like to me. And I can yeah. only afford a compact anyway, so mm-hmm. it could be very small chandelier. It'd be like a light bulb on a string, I'm, and then you would have to worry about it swinging around and stuff. Yeah, I mean, what if you're in a car chase? It's not good. Chinese luxury car maker. Honky, yep. I know honky. Oh, it is funny. <laughs> That's a funny name for a car company, especially like. I mean, it's not really. Uh, we'll come back to that. Honky has unveiled a new sedan concept, and it's a bit extra. The car features rear suicide doors, very shiny paint, which is cool. I think that's cool. Uh, Just three seats and no steering wheel. Apparently, the move is to increase comfort. Yep, the car has a chandelier, spelled properly, hanging between the rear passengers. According to Drive Tribe, the L concept is a look at the future of full autonomous luxury vehicles uh, with the dash featuring two wide displays across the width under a continuous wood trim. Sounds fancy. Auto journalist and host Jeremy Clarkson, famous guy, got a chance to review a honky car. <laughs> 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 and you can buy uh, ones that you can buy in China right now. The interior is an exquisite work of art with rosewood paneling and cream leather. The dashboard and center console are fully digital. There's jade in the door handles and golden sunflowers everywhere else. I only saw this thing for the first time a few moments ago and already I'm in love. I love the way each door weighs the same as a medium-sized mountain. I love the red flags here and on the bonnet. I love the flagpoles. It's like... It's like a cartoon baddies car, because in real life, nobody could be that bad. I mean, it's impossible. It's a bad-looking car. <sighs> Is it? But he goes on to say, it's got a V12 engine, but the car weighs over three tons. <laughs> so it, he, he says, they haven't told us what the not to 60 speed is because I don't think it'll hit 60, but still. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, honky, uh, with some interesting car designs. Are you okay? Which one you want to do here, right? Let's do... I think I'll vote for the first one. Yeah, let's do the first one. Yeah. Okay. Are you okay with crossing the border? Yeah, I have to. To well, not right now, but I mean, I have I wish to. I had a, wish I had a Taco Bell. Mm, so nothing gives me more anxiety than crossing the border. Why? I'm going to tell you a story briefly. I went to the states okay. and I had a Budweiser, 
and it said America mm-hmm. on the can. And I went, oh, that's funny. I want to keep that. And then when we pulled up to the the crossing, I was paranoid that I would be arrested for trying to transport an empty bottle of alcohol in. So I threw it out the window. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just get terrified, terrified at the U.S. border. I can't. It's just the weirdest thing for me. See, now I used to have this until I took out my American passport. And now I have this sort of free pass feeling when I'm going in either direction. Because, oh. yeah, I'm always returning yeah. technically to my home country. And yeah. the American passport going to America, it's like they just, they don't they hardly ask me anything. They're just like, previously it was like why do you got bc plates and it was like oh, i i live up in vancouver and it's like okay go so okay there jason Bourne. do you stop at an airport locker at a at the train station and get some cash in your all your stack of passports before you get on your flights um, or what yeah yeah got an irish one too no way really yeah what that's not fair i know it You're- isn't well this is what happens i am the product of an irish person and an american person having a child in canada <laughs> wow all right um well that is far more interesting i think than what we're about to play but manitoba teachers can soon head to north dakota to get vaccinated this is global's Brittany greenslade although there's a surplus of demand here there's no surplus of vaccines and so uh, having the ability to have the partnership with north dakota is very valuable here and we all understand that we have an education system that we have to protect U.S. federal supply rule states they can't distribute their allotments across the border, so the province is looking at access points at Emerson and the Peace Gardens. It would require teachers to immediately cross back into Canada after getting jabbed. The Premier says they will be exempt from a two-week isolation. Remembering that the way this will work is that the the, uh, person will go to the border, across, get a vaccine and must come immediately back. They're not going shopping in Grand Forks. Pallister says they're looking at booking weekend availabilities to avoid teachers needing time off. But the plan isn't sitting well with the Manitoba Teachers Society. Band-aid solution to a problem that, that, that we've been talking about for, for a number of weeks. MTS says this would only help teachers who live close to the border and it creates barriers for others. You need a car, you need a passport, you need the right answers to all the questions you're going to get asked at the border. You get your shot. If there's a reaction to the shot, I suppose it means a hospital uh, stay in North Dakota, and that's going to weigh on the minds of of some folks as to who picks up the bill for that. So this is curious to me because uh, Pallister also was one of the first ones that pushed back on the federal government to get vaccines and started conversations with other vaccine companies, right? So the rule is basically this, is that, you get the vaccines, you can have all of the government programs, federal cash programs, as long as you take the government's vaccines, you don't go get your own. So what they're doing, I think, is they're not getting other vaccines. They're just negotiating deals to provide vaccines elsewhere. It's quite creative. And I realize the teacher guy doesn't really agree with that, but because the trucker thing is also happening there. And so it's quite creative way to get your people vaccinated and do a deal without breaking the deal with the federal government. So from a politics point of view, I give you a solid 10 for creativity, sir. Don't know if it's what's best, but wow, talk about working the system to benefit your constituents. This is the Shift Podcast. Now, normally, Sunday nights is when I get to talk to this handsome fellow. From St. Louis and KMOX, it's Ryan Recker. 
But here he is. What is happening? It's not Sunday, Ryan. Whoa. Can you believe it? In fact, this is the first time we've done an interview. We're actually looking at each other and I can see what looks like natural sunlight coming in from the side of that room, yeah. which is normally something we wouldn't see when we're talking. Yeah, it's true. Daylight uh, is all right when we have a chance to record this. Um, and uh, I, which makes me wonder why you didn't ever jump on the Zoom call before, because we are on the Zoom every night. We do every show it- on Zoom. You know, you mentioned that to me once and you said you should and we should, but we never did. Oh. But it's amazing that, well, what looks like one of our uh, last times at nighttime uh, speaking because the, the news broke here in St. Louis that I'm going to be moving to the day. Yeah. And congratulations on that. So you're taking over uh, the Rush Limbaugh show. Now you're talking, you're not taking over his show. You're taking over the time <laughs> slot. So it's an exciting opportunity for you to go from the nighttime to the daytime. Tell us what happened and, and, and what you're excited about. Yeah, there's a lot of um, people that are wondering what is going to happen with their local radio station. Rush Limbaugh being on some, what, 500 and some stations. Do they carry Rush's program in Canada? I'm curious if any stations. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, it's mostly American politics. So I know that there's some international uh, places that would pick it up, mostly through the Armed Services Network. So I didn't know if Canada had American politics stations, but Rush's... um, You know, uh, I don't know, without using this as a pun, but when you think about radio personalities, American radio personalities, he would be on the Mount Rushmore. He was that influential. Uh, He was looked at as someone that saved AM radio in the United States. And he was well sought after one of the largest listening audiences daily in America. And in February, he passed away. He had a great love for this radio station, KMOX. It was his hometown station, really. He was from Cape Girardeau, just a few hours from here. But he was very much influenced by the talk format. KMOX is uh, credited as being the first real talk station. Back in February of 1960, the station went to talk. And from there, a lot of other stations started to get onto that as a format. And really, the foresight of a program director by the name of Robert Hyland making the change and really uh, launching this, this um, what we know today as one of the great formats in, in radio. But um, yeah, Rush Limbaugh passing away in February and the station decided instead of going to a syndicated option, which a lot of the Rush Limbaugh radio stations will be, we are going to do a local show, which I'm going to be a part of. So and starting on Monday, May 3rd, I'm going to be moving to days. Well, I would normally you would be uh, making all these other plans about Oh my God, I'm not going to be around the kids during the daytime anymore. But in this pandemic life, is there any light for you to go back to the studio to do it? <laughs> yeah, actually, starting next week, I'll actually be driving in. Whoa. That's the thing. Yeah. So we're going to be doing the show in person. It's going to be tough because it's a three person show with uh, three, well, two market vets, and uh, being that they've been around, let's see, Carol Daniel has been with the radio station for 25 years. And Bo Matthews is someone that's been in the St. Louis market working in country for, I don't know, since 1988. So even longer doing radio, at least in St. Louis. So he's he's been around, too. So they're they're veterans to the whole uh, St. Louis radio. I'm kind of the newbie. I moved here four years ago to do the night show on the radio station in Overnight America. But moving into there, it's going to be the three of us together and. It's going to be a big change in person. I don't know. It's tough when you have the ensemble cast to try to get the right rhythm when you're all remote. It's easy if you're like the, you know, the the namesake of the show and people have to play off of you. But if you're trying to play off everyone else, we decided uh, it's better for us to go in in person. So working from home for the last year, my sweatpants has to go away. Oh, I don't even know what that's like anymore. We just uh, (laughs) I was just thinking about that the other day. I'm like, well, I got to wear pants. (laughs) 
<laughs> I got to go outside. I got to put pants on. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but I have actually gone to the grocery store now and walked into the store and touched my legs. Be like, did you put pants on? Because <laughs> I second guessed myself. <laughs> I know. The hard part is, uh, I actually, I purchased some sweatpants that look like jeans. And I was using them around the house when there were Zoom meetings because I wanted to give the impression I was actually not wearing sweatpants, but it was a nice little trickery. So now the big debate is, do I continue to wear those while I go into work? Because no one will know unless they touch them. So <laughs> do, awesome. I, do I keep wearing the sweatpants? Probably not. But, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think that it's going to be a big change because Rush Limbaugh was, you know, so heavily into American politics. Our show is going to be different. It's not going to be politics heavy. It's, it's a lot of regional and local issues. And we'll talk politics when, you know, it's the things that people are talking about, but it's not going to be our main focus. So it's going to be a change in that sense. And the audience, we're going to have to build a brand new audience because of that. And we hope that we can keep a lot of the people that are already listening during that time slot. We know that it's going to be a pretty big task. And we know that uh, we got to hit hard. And it's just, it's strange because everything for me personally will be changing. It's like I'm changing my sleep schedule. I'm changing my family schedule because I'm not going to be around during the day. I'm changing the people I'm working with. Uh, it's just so many changes going in. It's uh, it's a whirlwind. It really is. It's exciting, man. It's really going to be, uh, it's really great. And it's neat to hear that. Okay. So you talk about, um, you know, local regional issues. What would be, if you think of a couple off the top of your mind, like uh, here where I live in Calgary, um, you know, municipal elections, sort of a big one. And then in Canada in general, COVID vaccinations are sort of the big ones that everyone's talking about. We had this discussion last week here on the shift that we, maybe we should start listening to news from other countries, local news, not national news, local news from other countries to see what people are talking about. So as you kick off a new show, what would be examples of St. Louis, a couple of things that are on the top of the list? Yeah. So just over the weekend, we have a new mayor in St. Louis from just a couple of weeks. So the priorities of the new mayor, there's a few things. There's things that are public, as in here's what we know they want to do. And there's things that are speculation. Two of the big things that I think could be happening in, in city politics. The one thing is they want to close one of the jails. That's a huge controversy because right now in the city of St. Louis, crime is still terrible, like really bad. The homicide rate is worse than it is in Mexico. And because we had so many homicides last year, a lot of it had to do with the way that they tried to change policing. Even if you arrest someone, are they going to prosecute them? And because of COVID, they were taking people and, you know, we're allowing you to leave jail because we're afraid you're going to catch COVID re repeating offenders and things. There's a lot of things that contribute to it. And over the weekend, well, part of the proposed budget is they want to close one of the jails, which is a huge controversial move. Not a lot of people here are happy because they don't think they're doing enough when it comes to stopping these uh, crimes, a lot of them violent crimes. And then the other side of it that people are looking into is when it comes to city politics, city of St. Louis is its own entity and it's surrounded by St. Louis County, which is its own uh, governmental entity. And forever they've been talking about merging this since the 1970s. They've been talking about merging the two into one giant government, which is something that they tried a few years ago that failed. Now that there's a new mayor, I think they're going to try to do that again. And because of that, that's another big, controversial thing locally here. So th those are probably two of the big topics I think are going on. Would that uh, jail, would that be state run or private or how does that work there? Yeah, it's called the workhouse. It doesn't have the best conditions because it's an older jail. So what their thoughts are is we can take the two jails that are in St. Louis and we can merge them into one because uh, we have the space. But every person that works there says it's not going to work. We don't have the space the accommodations to put everyone in. So they're a little bit worried about that. And 
it's not a federal penitentiary. It's just, you know, locally run. Mm. Wouldn't it not make more sense to do something to fight the crime in the first place and maybe reduce the crime as opposed to dealing with the jail? It's tough to when you have like here in the region, you have the state of Missouri that's very Republican, red state. You have the city and the county very liberal, which is blue in the sense that the way they look at policing, which is less policing, the better, or they want to go into more progressive way of policing. They've been trying that, experimenting with that, and it just hasn't been successful. The problem that we have in St. Louis is that um, the cops are so, uh, you know, they're they're not um, given the most resources or praise or anything else. In fact, it's probably discouraged in a lot of different ways. They'll make arrests and nothing will ever happen. And, you know, they won't uh, put charges or whatever. There's exclusion list here. That's something that you don't see anywhere else. The circuit attorney will exclude all cases from certain police officers because she doesn't like the police officers, really? which is really you look at that and you say, why in the world would any uh, person want to work in the city of St. Louis? So that's what you find where I think 150 police officers below where it's budgeted. So they're way understaffed. 911, by the way, I think they said 30% of the calls into 911 go unanswered because they're so understaffed there. And what happens is that the people don't want to deal with it. So they go and get policing jobs in the county, all these other surrounding areas, and they'll skip over St. Louis. So we have an issue where they don't support the police enough. I think a lot of people in the neighborhoods that are affected by high crime they want to see more support, but they're just not getting it. So that's part of the problem. Um, if they can get proper policing, then I think we would be in a lot better position. What's the impact on you? Like as a dad, I mean, you go out with your kids. you got to be careful what park you go to. Is it that bad? Yeah. In the county, not really. It's You think that there's a lot of targeted crime. So it's not a coincidence that a lot of the homicides and targets are gang or drug related. And drugs, man, there was a saying where I came from in Ohio, one of the places I worked, it was a very simple phrase, drugs bring death. You see a lot of that in St. Louis. So I think that by yourself or going through or doing whatever you want, you would think that you would be safe and you should have a little bit of confidence that it'll be okay. But I got to be honest, I don't rely on that. (laughs) And when we're going to do something, we make sure we're doing it the, the safest path possible we don't go through neighborhoods we think would be unsafe and mm. it's tough it's it's just you never know you, you just never know here that sounds so different than what we get used to i went for a walk the other night and i was kind of looking around and uh in my neighborhood there's a bunch of ponds and pathways and, and stuff behind the houses and i don't live on a pond um mind you but the i like to walk through but there's, they're not lit it's completely black. The only light you have would be the moon and someone's motion detector light as you walk by the pathway behind their house, between their house and the pond. And I was kind of walking around. I'm like, is this crazy? I mean, this is sort of everything they told you in school. Like, I hear, I've got headphones on. It's dark. I'm listening to music. I'm walking by myself. And I kind of thought, well, I guess that's sort of one of the good places about where we live. Can't do this everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little bit of gratitude comes with that. I don't feel unsafe in my neighborhood. It's, I think, the individual places you live. Sometimes you look at that and say, why in the world would anyone want to live in an area where you look at it and they're a chunk of the homicides? And there's a lot of certain pride. And, you know, I grew up here. My parents grew up here. I own a house here. It's affordable. You know, it's cheap because of, you know, people don't want to move here. So where else am I supposed to go? I guess there's some of that mindset that goes on. But I uh, I just don't want to deal with it. Like I, I talked to one person 
He makes barbecue sauce in the area. He's someone that grew up in North St. Louis. Awesome barbecue sauce, by the way. And he was talking about how his mom just would not leave the neighborhood. And he said one day he went home and he went to go throw something away in their trash bin outside. And there was a body in there. And he said, even after something like that, his mom still refused to leave because that was the neighborhood they grew up on. And not all these neighborhoods were terrible forever. It's like they go through these ebbs and flows. But here we are. And it's it's a it's a certain thing. And what they want is to the, the neighborhood to be transformed. And they're begging for more police and they're just not getting it. Wow. Hey, mom, found Steve. <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> you know? terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. There's a lot of uh, instances. And I, I think we're up to like 60 homicides in St. Louis right now. So the city of St. Louis, if you think about the metropolitan area, it's like 2.2 million. But the city itself might be 250,000. A lot of it has a lot of people live in the county and a lot of people live in St. Charles County, which is the next one over that would make up the, the metropolitan area. So St. Louis is kind of the, this is the small one, but it's got the name rights and it's got all the attractions inside of it so i think that might it might give the um the wrong number so one of the big pushes for merging is that when you put all of the people together the statistics don't look as bad which is kind of a deceptive way to try to change those things because it doesn't actually fix the problem but so you just said how many about 60 you figure yeah let me go look i can tell you right now what the the total is the st louis metropolitan police put out a tracker every day and i have a link to it here all right, let's see. Homicide count in the city of St. Louis. We're up to 59. So 59. we're that's pretty close. We're a and third of the way through the year. Oh, hold on. I got to refresh here. Nope. Uh, nope. 62. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's some numbers to, to balance St. Louis with some cities in Canada. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh, Edmonton's a million people. Mm-hmm. Just about um, 32. Okay. Calgary is 1.3 million-ish. Mm-hmm. 24. And this is for all of 2019, by the way, because um, that's this oh, the, for a full year. That's for a whole year. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver, which is four million, mm-hmm. is 41. Montreal, which is four or five million, four million probably, mm-hmm. uh, 45. Toronto, 130. Now, wow. I'm assuming this is th- these are Greater Toronto because there's yeah. maps. So it would be Greater Toronto, Greater Montreal. And I mean, Montreal, nice. boy, oh boy, you want to ever do any research on bikers in Canada, um, <laughs> then Montreal would be the one of the places to go. So it's so staggering, these numbers. Winnipeg has 44, but Winnipeg's is quite high, actually. For um, the entire year, you're saying, or total? That's for right all now. of 2019. Okay. So in 2020, last year, it was probably a 50-year high for St. Louis. Population of St. Louis is 308,000, oh, but the metropolitan area is like 2.2, 2.3 million. Okay. But if you look at just St. Louis, where all the homicides seem to happen, we had like 250 last year for 300,000 people. Wow. It's terrible. It's, it's ridiculously terrible. So that's more than any city in Canada. 2019, unfair comparison, but yeah. in the spirit of, of taking a look. Whoa. A lot of cities have homicide issues right now. Huge upticks in all the major cities. Surprisingly, the only major city that had lower homicides were Baltimore, which is historically also known as a dangerous crime area. Yeah, I flew into Baltimore once. Boy, I got out of there quick. (laughs) The whole airport was scary even. Was it? Well, they're welcoming on the airport until you get onto the Metrolink, the public transportation. Then after that, you better watch out. (laughs) Well, I got on. I took a shuttle to a car rental. And mm-hmm. that shuttle um, was one of those big articulating buses, like the big ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so crowded. And there was people arguing. And then there was a comedian who, like famous guy from TV who was standing next to me. And there was a lady in the corner who was so excited to see him. 
she was phoning her friends and taking pictures of it. And I leaned over. And I'm like, look, dude, I have no idea who you are, but I got to tell you, this is weird. <laughs> and he's like, it's weird for you. It's weird for me. <laughs> anyway, we went into the car rental place and we were uh, together in line. So we had a good chance to visit. I still have no idea who he was, but oh, it was weird. You were next to someone famous that people were were sought after. Yep. And you don't know who you, So one day you were just, you'll flip through the TV and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's the car rental guy. Yeah, that's the guy. I don't know. Well, Ryan, uh, congratulations on the new gig. We, uh, for all of the shift heads that are listening, um, we are working on ways to connect and find ways to keep this sort of alive on the shift. So no need to worry there. Uh, it might be pre-taped in the afternoon because the old man got a day job. So <laughs> I know I'm getting old. My bones are <laughs> even. Uh, but the nice thing is that my wife is already excited because I'll be able to take care of the bedtime routines now nice. with the kids. Yeah. You'll love that. And she's happy because then we can watch things at night, television programs. Mm-hmm. So she don't have to wait for me. She's dancing with the stars it is, buddy. You can be our Dancing uh, with the Stars correspondent. She loves The Bachelor and I can't handle any of those reality shows <laughs> don't get her started on any new ones it's our one's enough <laughs> when it's on all the time i love i'm it. really gonna miss this on sunday nights this is one of my favorite things to do all week by the way yeah i agree me too and uh but we'll find a way to keep it alive we'll make it all work yeah. i know that the audience always looks forward to it um whenever you're not on or something like that they always ask hey where's that uh, st louis guy <laughs> I see the tweets too. You guys are always so good at all the different radio stations that you're on. You're on so many great stations through Canada and I see the tweets and things and I get to see some of the reactions to them. And I know people all over Canada love you. And it's so nice that you were able to uh, bring me into that. And it was so fun. And I'm glad that we're going to be able to keep that going in some way. Yeah. Well, change happens, but we will keep the good stuff alive. Ryan Recker, Camo Wax at St. Louis. Thank you, brother. Congratulations. Thank you, Shane Hewitt. It's the shift podcast. Let's hit it, Brendan. The reason why is because Steve Stebbing was so kind to us to allow us the time in his normal slot to have that conversation, even though he's got a job and he's got work to do, and he's staying up late tonight, uh, just to have this non-political, non-COVID conversation. What the hell should we watch this weekend? What's up, Steve? Not too much. I brought all political documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Oh, uh, boy. Man, right? This is sad. Oh. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, cool. Well, we are going to have some fun now. It's what we do on the shift. We talk about the heavy stuff. We talk about uh, the fun stuff, too. And in this particular piece, if you don't know it, stevestebbing.ca is his website. He has a blog with all of his movie things. He basically watches TV for a living. <laughs> That's what he loves to do. Uh, so he gives, that. <laughs> wouldn't that be the best, hey? Oh, that's um, the dream. That's what I'm working that to is- that is the dream. That's what we're working on. So uh, here we go with the review of a series of shows that Steve Steving brings to the table on what the hell should we watch this weekend. Let's get started with Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. My family. I got nothing left. Their plan is a series of strategic attacks all over the world. We have to respond. I need to be on that team. Lieutenant Commander Greer, you'll lead the mission. I'm leaving out the plan field. CIA doesn't support any further investigation into your wife's murder. They had no right to take so much from me. All right, tell us about this one, because this is a bit of a throwback with the not necessarily the storyline so much as just the uh you know, the idea of everything to do with Tom Clancy and, and that whole thing. Yeah, well, and this is uh, uh, Amazon Prime picked this up from uh, Paramount, which kind of 
goes into the fold with their stuff because they have two seasons of Jack Ryan now on the service. Uh, but this is Michael B. Jordan. Uh, it's based on a, a very popular book uh, book series by Tom Clancy. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's it's special ops revenge. Uh, essentially, he is uh, out for vengeance after the murder of his uh, wife and uh, kind of blending into a deeper conspiracy of the last op, his retiring op that he thought would be the end of his career. Um, and I, I mean, it's very standard action, espionage action and stuff like that. I think it's it's pretty well done. The action scenes are really good. Uh, but Jody Turner Smith's character in this one, I'd really like to see them continue down her path because uh, she's kind of uh, a higher up in the in special ops and everything. And I think her character is very fascinating. And there's definitely a lot more stories to be told there. I found that this sort of that special ops military shows has mm. been grossly lacking of late. There hasn't been many good ones. I've started to even go back to Hunt to Red October and Black Hawk mm. Down. Um, I recommend uh, there's a show called Strike Back that was airing on, I think it was uh, Sky TV or something like that uh, in the UK. And then Cinemax picked it up in the US and did another three or four seasons. And it is uh, hard R action, uh, but really well told uh, tactical stories. What was the name of it again? Strike Back. Strike Back. Because I picked two off of Prime to mm. watch. One was like uh, Air Force Two, which was like you and I can act better than that movie. <laughs> and then the other one was like a Navy SEALs one, which mm -hmm. you and I could act better in that movie too. And that's the thing with Prime. It's so hit and miss. Like you get these amazing yeah. old movies and then you get mm -hmm. this absolutely dreadful, they bought it off a guy on a street corner outside of 7-Eleven on a DVD movies. We got to hit the, we got to run the gamut. You know what I mean? You got to have everything. Oh, it's dreadful. All right. The Mitchells versus the machines. Let me introduce myself. I'm Katie. I'm sort of a weirdo. My parents haven't figured me out yet. To be fair, it took me a while to figure myself out. My brother, also weird. Hi, would you like to talk to me about dinosaurs? No. Okay, thank you. And my mom. Katie face cupcakes. Ah! All of us, really. How about we put our phones down and we can make 10 seconds of unobstructed family eye contact. Starting now. See, this is good right here. This is natural. <laughs> Cartoon, I'm assuming? Yes, it is. Yeah, this is an animated one. It comes from... Uh, it's produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are the guys behind... Uh, the Lego movie, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And uh, for Canadian fans, uh, Clone High, they created that series. Um, and this is a movie that got bounced around for a while. They were going to try to release it in theaters. Everything finally gets released on uh, Netflix tomorrow. Uh, really funny, like a great voice cast to this one, including Abby Jacobson, uh, Maya Rudolph, Danny McBride, Olivia Coleman, uh, Eric Andres in this one, friend of the show uh and it's just such a well put together movie about kind of a family that is at a, as a crossroads as uh, the oldest daughter is going to college and then the robot apocalypse takes over and they have to band together to save the world sounds fantastic here are the young men i saw a girl get knocked over today she died but you're fine yeah Joseph Harley! Well, that's the final big blowout of the summer. 
God is in his church. Ladies and gentlemen, the real man. What was in the bag, should I? What do you think was in the bag, my dear? You knew what he was like. I told you. Uh, so the the storyline is kind of interesting um, here. Maybe not what you'd expect of how it all starts. Is that a fair fair analysis? Yeah. Well, I mean, basically what it is, is uh, what it feels like is like kind of like a coming of age uh, story about uh, four uh, Irish friends that are just graduated uh, high school and looking to their future. One of their friends is just this nihilistic piece of crap that uh, kind of fuels their um, destructive fun. Uh, but it starts to spiral out of control after they all witness uh, a horrible tragedy in the streets of their town. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's a movie that I feel like would have operated really well in like the train spotting era of the mid 90s and stuff. But I feel like now it, it doesn't feel as original as it once did. Um, and, and maybe I'm just like at a different age to receive something like this. And, and, and where I'm at now, I'm just like, yeah. But I've been there before. Oh, we've all been on a bender <laughs> at some point. <laughs> SteveStepping.ca, if you want to check out the blog, what the hell should we watch this weekend? The Virtuoso. What do you want? Something was off about the deputy. It's really simple when you think about it. Kill or be killed. <laughs> you know the rules. Do not rush. Do not hesitate. Do not get distracted. Something on your mind? I have one last loose end. Loose end? Something personal. I have a rule. And the rule is, if it has Anthony Hopkins, and insert other amazing actors here, you give it a mm -hmm. shot. Fairball? Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's pretty much the reason to give this one a shot. I mean, he's kind of the all-knowing boss that puppeteers uh, this whole Hitman movie here because um, it's Anson Mount's movie. Uh, Star Trek Discovery fans will know who he is because I believe he's Christopher uh, Captain Christopher Pike on that series. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, basically, Hitman is sent to a town in the middle of nowhere for his last job he doesn't know who his target is only knows that this person is going to be at this diner at this exact time and then kind of all bets are off um but around uh anson mount and uh anthony hopkins you got a pretty good cast because you got uh abby cornish is in this one eddie marsan and a, a guy that's usually known for his horror work and working with uh, rob zombie uh richard brake is in this one too who's always good for some character acting stuff what the hell should we watch this weekend ryan was particularly excited about this one this is the um the, <laughs> this is the this is the weird one let's get into willie's wonderland <laughs> We're going to Willie's. He's not trapped in here with them. They're trapped in here with him. It's birthday time. <laughs> okay. Yes. You're going to have to explain this one. I'm going to leave this one up to you two to talk about. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you guys were going to actually pull this one. I, I'm very excited that you guys did. But this is Nicolas Cage in a silent performance. He doesn't have a single line in this whole movie. 
basically plays a drifter that uh, his car breaks down in this small town. They said, we can fix your car. We don't really have a place for you to stay. And we don't really take credit cards. So you can work this off by cleaning up this like Chuck E. Cheese type thing, type uh, restaurant uh, with these animatronics that just happen to be absolutely possessed by demons and start to attack Nicolas Cage. Uh, And he has to take them down one by one. It's just as ridiculous as it sounds. But I will say the biggest moment in this movie is he has like a full on dance scene with a pinball machine in this movie that is just it. It has to be seen to be believed. And it's Nicolas Cage just just going for the ceiling like he does as one of the most interesting actors ever, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. He, he I'm glad we're on video from, for this. Yeah, right. He has gone from like, wow, Oscar, Academy Award winning actor mm-hmm. to, oh man, he's got to pay off some debt and do some really rough movies to people going, wait a minute. He's really funny if he just doesn't care at all and mm-hmm. plays himself. Like Vampire's Kiss was the first kind of <laughs> hint of him being insane. And now mm-hmm. he's playing into it. And I, I can't remember the last Nicolas Cage movie I watched where I was not entertained i'm always entertained when he is on screen always i would more talented than everyone's given him credit for Uh, i think so and i think he cares i think he really does care about his movies i think he cares about his movies more than bruce willis does about some of his work he does (laughs) um i think that's the thing is nicholas cage cares about everything that he does that's very fair statement actually Mm -hmm. um and and certainly interesting some of the roles Kind of weird, but that's proof with <laughs> <laughs> with that one right there. All right, on the Blu-ray list tonight, let's get to Quick Change. Let's make a commitment. Let's not be like every other couple on the IRT. Will you rob a bank with me? I will, Grim. I will. Hey, I got three more minutes. My clothes, bozo. Let's not mess with me today. What the hell kind of clown are you? The crying on the inside kind, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, you might as well tell us about that with Bill Murray. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, And it's really, 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 really hard to find until now. Warner Archive put it out on Blu-ray. came out in 1990. And it's the only movie that Bill Murray's ever produced. He also wrote this with Hall- uh, Howard Franklin, who directed the film. It's him, Gina Davis, uh, Randy Quaid, and uh, Jason Robards in a bank heist movie where they're dressed as clowns to rob a bank, and then they can't get out of New York City once they've robbed this bank. And it's so underrated. It's so forgotten. And it is just a piece of gold that uh, I think is one of the crowning achievements in Bill Murray's career. Uh, you have me at Randy Quaid mm-hmm. <laughs> in that one. Was this Randy Quaid when Randy Quaid was quirky or mm-hmm. when he was running from the law with a tinfoil hat, Randy Quaid? This would have been just after Christmas Vacation. So Okay. He was still. Yeah. Quirky. So, and honestly, it's one of his best performances in his entire career, honestly. Uh, there was also a report on Randy Quaid, by the way, that he might be running <laughs> for um, governor of California. Oh, boy. He's got a big old beard oh, now. Boy. He's got a handsome beard. I'll give him credit for that one. All right, Steve Stebbing, what the hell should we watch this weekend? I don't know why this... You know, sometimes when you look at something and it doesn't even register as what it actually says. When I first looked at this one, I saw Spice Girls. 
I don't know why. Maybe my brain, maybe there's, I just thought I'd throw it out there in case there was something there. Maybe I was like, in sync with the movies, man. But on TV, <laughs> on Netflix, Headspace Guide to Sleep. Let's find out what it's about. I see you. Yes, you. Scrolling. Thinking about going to sleep. Falling asleep isn't that easy. I'm Eve, and I'm here to help. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to explain that. Yeah, well, it looks like uh, Netflix has partnered up with this company, Headspace, to do a lot of these almost uh, self-help uh, series that they're kind of very short episodes. They're about uh, 16 to 18 uh, minutes each episode. The first one they did was on meditation. And this one is a very helpful one. This one is uh, your guide to sleep and how important uh, sleep is uh, to all of us. And also uh, uh, exercises to help get you eased into sleep better to the fact that you can actually stay asleep, which seems to be a problem with a lot of people, me included. Uh, so uh, it's a fascinating show uh, presented in this weird animation style. Uh, but honestly, I think with Headspace, they're going to they're going to start making a killing on Netflix with these shows. Well, there is certainly a uh, an opportunity to help people in today's world. Mm -hmm. That is for mm -hmm. sure. Although I would like to put a disclaimer on this story. First of all, I don't know why it said Spice Girls. This is weird. <laughs> this is my brain. Uh, second was if you are a night shift worker and you are struggling to sleep in the daytime, this could be really, really helpful for you. So you might want to check it out. Now, if you are unable to fall asleep and that's why you listen to this show because you tend to stay up late because you can't fall asleep, do me a favor and never watch this special. Because we would love to still have you. Can I waffle a little bit on that one? Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> Steve Stebbing, what the hell should we watch this weekend? SteveStebbing.ca. Hey, brother, thanks for the, the quick adjustment tonight. Really appreciate it. Of course. No problem, guys. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.